Welcome to Healing at the Speed of Light. Every week, we discuss how laser therapy is changing healthcare and how you can benefit. Now, here is your host and founder of Laser Therapy Institute, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hello, and welcome back to Healing at the Speed of Light, your weekly laser therapy podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree, and I'll be your host again today. We are sponsored by Laser Therapy Institute. Laser Therapy Institute trains healthcare providers to effectively deliver laser therapy treatments so that their patients can see the benefits and results of excellent laser therapy. You can find a clinic by going to lasertherapyinstitute.org, and you can also find some really exciting links to research, some other very good resources that you can utilize as someone looking to potentially have laser therapy or who is getting laser therapy right now. Now, in this podcast, we spend a lot of time talking about things that patients want to know, and this is one that I have been asked before, not too often, but it's a kind of important question to get an answer to, and that is, why didn't laser therapy help me? And that is more common as we're seeing more laser and light therapies being done for a number of reasons. So what I want to do today is kind of get into this little bit difficult topic of why laser therapy sometimes does not work. A couple weeks ago, we addressed the more difficult question of how much does laser therapy cost? That's an important factor here. And if you're going to commit to a course of laser therapy or you're investigating this for yourself or a loved one, uh, it's good to know, I think, what you should expect, what you can reasonably expect for laser therapy. Laser is not some magic wand that just makes all your problems go away. And I don't think anybody... um, consciously thinks that, but sometimes there's this idea that this magical red light will just take my problems away, and it certainly uh, is not the case with anything out there. As with anything, laser therapy has success and failure rates. And laser therapy generally has pretty high success rates for a lot of different conditions, but that still means that a certain percentage of people will fail during the treatment. So what I want to do today is talk about why that happens and what you can do as a patient or as a loved one of someone that is receiving laser therapy care. What can you do to help give this process the best chance of success? And there's a number of things you can understand, first of all, what's going on behind the scenes. And then there's a few things you can do to make sure that you're doing your part to help this process move ahead. Keep in mind, though, we do have success and failure rates. There's always going to be a small percentage of people who just don't get good success here. And there's a lot of factors. One factor that I see all the time is activity modification. And that means changing the things you're doing that might be feeding into or aggravating this problem. For example, if you come in with carpal tunnel syndrome where you have the burning and stinging and numbness in the hand, uh, and it, it's because you're utilizing a bad setup at your, at your desk and you're overworking the wrist and irritating those nerves. Well, we have to change that, right? We can't just laser that wrist and then send you out the door and have you keep using the same poor ergonomics at, war, at your desk there and think that this problem will go away. No, it's, it's going to keep happening until you remove the cause. And the same thing for things like diabetic neuropathy. If you have diabetic neuropathy, the nerves have been damaged from high levels of sugars. Laser therapy can have amazing results in diabetic neuropathy, but not if your sugars stay high. If you are drinking alcohol, if you are on uncontrolled sugar binges every night, you're not going to get better. At the very best, we might prevent you from continuing to get worse, but really you have to address whatever is creating the problem. 
And that is the biggest factor that I see with patients is either they can't or they won't address what is agitating the condition, what is creating the condition in the first place. So whatever the condition is that you're looking to get evaluated or looking to treat by getting laser therapy, you need to look at the causative factors there. What is creating this problem for you? The next thing you should look at is the laser device that's being used. There are a large number of therapeutic light and, and laser therapy devices out there, and they are not created equally. There is differences in the power. There's differences in the way that the uh, settings are used, differences in the way the light is actually delivered, and the wavelength, the color of the laser that's being used is a massive factor because if you're not using the right wavelength of light, you're not going to get the results that you're looking to get. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that I love to go back to the research. So today I'm going to give you a quote on wavelength and we're going to really kind of refer to this paper a couple of times during this podcast. But this paper was published in February of last year, February 2020, published in Lasers in Surgery and Medicine, and the title is Microcirculatory Response to Photobiomodulation, Why Some Respond and Others Do Not, a Randomized Controlled Study. So this study looked at why some people get great results with light therapy or photobiomodulation and why others do not. And when it comes to wavelength, what these authors say is that near-infrared light was found to induce greater stimulation of skin blood flow and arterial or blood volume pulse compared with red light. So near-infrared light is invisible to the human eye, and visible red light just was not giving that increase in blood flow that they were looking for here. They go on to say that it is well established that near-infrared light has greater penetration of depth compared with red light, which might explain the superior effects on the microvascular response found in this study. So what they're saying there is that visible red light or laser is not going to have the same deep tissue effects as near-infrared light. And that is light that's in the 800, excuse me, the 700 to about 1100 nanometer wavelengths. Again, this is outside the visible spectrum, so there's not really a difference you can tell with the human eye, but the tissues respond differently to wavelengths in that near-infrared spectrum than they do to visible light. The same thing goes for visible blue light or green laser. Uh, you have to have the right color of laser light to get the work done. And the next factor here is the technique that's being used. The way the laser is applied is very important. The technique that the doctor or the laser tech uses while applying that therapeutic light really does matter. If they're using the wrong pattern, if they are not staying perpendicular to the tissues with the actual laser handpiece, there's a lot of different factors that can feed in there to where Basically, if the provider doesn't know what they're doing, then their technique could be very poor, and that could lead to very poor results. Here's another big one that I run into, though, and that is the number of treatments. Look, laser is not a one-and-done type treatment in most cases. Most cases are going to need a series of treatments, and maybe a couple times a week for a couple weeks. It may be four or five times a week for several weeks. But the point is that many times to see good results from laser therapy, you need to have that repetitive type of treatment being done so that the tissues can respond over time. We know that laser therapy 
is an additive type treatment, meaning that each treatment builds on the ones before it. So if you have a significant condition that needs significant tissue repair and regeneration, it's going to take time. And then that depends on the type of tissues too, right? If we're talking about neuropathy again here, nerve tissues are slow to heal. They're slow to rebuild. And so if you do one treatment for diabetic neuropathy and you don't get better, you shouldn't necessarily just quit. You are not going to really expect any success after just one or two treatments with neuropathy. Now, there are outliers. I will say there's frequently people notice a difference just after one or two treatments. But in the vast majority of cases, you have to have that ongoing multiple treatments in a row. That doesn't mean you have to have treatment for forever necessarily. That just means that it takes a series of treatments to get the job done in a lot of cases. Another big factor that feeds into the success rate of laser therapy is nutrition. And nutrition is important. All right, If you've got the best carpenter in the world and you bring him into your kitchen and you say, I want you to make me some awesome new cabinets, but you don't give him anything to work with, your cabinets are not going to look awesome. Matter of fact, nothing's going to happen, right? You can have the best carpenter right there, ready to go, but if you don't give him materials or give her materials to work with, then you shouldn't be expecting any kind of good end product. But if you bring in the right materials, the glue, the nails, the wood, and you, then you let them go to work, you can expect a great product, right? It's the same type of approach with laser therapy and nutrition. If you're going to expect to have any kind of lasting benefit from laser with pain relief and healthier tissues, you have to put in the right ingredients nutritionally to have that process supported. There are several important factors there, and your doctor will go over what those are for you. I can't make any recommendations there uh, over, over this podcast, but it matters what you're putting into your body. You have to pay attention to the nutrition factors here. If you're eating one meal a day because you just don't have the appetite, you are not going to be successful. That's not enough input in most cases. If you aren't taking any level of supplements, then in some cases you're not going to be successful there either. You have to realize that you're going to be using laser therapy to help the body accelerate its natural healing process. So you're going to need more nutrition to get that job done. For more details on that, you need to ask your doctor because you will have to have a personalized approach there to your condition. For example, I cannot tell you that you need more protein with every uh, laser therapy treatment plan because many folks might have kidney conditions that they can't have certain proteins or a certain amount of protein. And so we have to be careful about the way we approach that. You need a distinct individualized nutrition approach to know what that looks like. But in general, you're going to need more than you do on a day-to-day -day basis of just maintaining uh, your body as is. Now, the last factor here is really what this particular study that I mentioned earlier looks at. The authors of the study say that Photobiomodulation induces arteriolar vasodilation that results in both immediate and long-lasting increased capillary flow and tissue perfusion. That means that you get more blood flow, better blood flow. But that sentence that I just read you, it ends with in healthy individuals. So light therapy gives you better circulation in healthy individuals. Why did they say that? Well, because what they found in this study is that 
more unhealthy individuals, in particular those with metabolic conditions, did not respond favorably the way that folks who were more healthy did. Metabolic factors can be things like thyroid disorders or those with diabetes, and that can limit laser therapy's effect. And I'm not saying if you have a thyroid condition or a diabetic condition that you can't have good improvement with laser therapy, just that it's going to potentially impact the speed at which you can improve. Because we know that laser therapy relies on getting more blood flow to these damaged areas. And if you have a metabolic disorder, then you could see a difference in the way that you respond versus somebody else. And that does help to explain some of the success and failure rate here. So quick recap of what we just talked about. Look, there's always going to be a success and failure rate. A certain percentage are going to fail. In laser therapy, that is typically less than 20% that will not get a benefit from a laser therapy care plan. At an LTI clinic, it's likely to be less than 10% that don't have success with their care. Additionally, you've got to understand that you can't keep doing the same thing that caused the problem and expect laser therapy to turn things around for you. You have to control your sugars if that's a problem. You have to stop doing the physical activity that's causing that problem in the first place. The next piece is the, getting the right laser therapy device. And that means typically a professional grade piece of equipment like we use at Laser Therapy Institute clinics. The next piece is the technique that's being used. You need someone who knows what they're doing. And another one here is that you have to have the right number of treatments to be done in a series, typically. Remembering that this is not a one-and-done type approach, it's typically several treatments linked together in a care plan. Another thing is the nutrition side. You're going to need, in most cases, some additional nutrition planning and coaching and follow-through here because if you're talking about helping tissues be healthier and rebuilding damaged tissues, it's kind of like going to the gym, right? If you go to the gym but you starve yourself, you'll never get stronger. Similarly, if you get laser therapy, but you are starving yourself of the necessary materials to help those tissues improve, then you're not going to get better and stay better. And then the last one here is that sometimes metabolic factors come into play where if you have diabetes or a thyroid condition or another metabolic disorder, that can affect the speed at which you respond to laser therapy, especially if that's an ongoing problem for you that you don't have treated. So given all that, as a patient, what can you do to ensure success with your laser therapy care plan? Well, I've got three particular things for you that will be helpful in getting the best chance of success you can. Number one is you need to have a laser therapy expert. You need to have someone who knows what they're doing. Not your cousin Bob who bought a laser pointer off of eBay and is ready to help you out. That's just not going to do it. You need to have a professional level of experience in delivering light therapies. If you go to a Laser Therapy Institute clinic, we've already covered all this. We, we, we know they have the right laser device. We know they have good technique. They're going to be able to set up a successful care plan for you. And if you don't have those pieces in place, then your success rates are going to be much less than they should be. So the first thing you should do there is go to lasertherapyinstitute.org, look at the map, and see if you have a provider near you. If you don't, there's a link you can click on that says, I don't have, I don't see someone near me, and we'll help you try and find someone near you. The next thing you can do is just plug it into an internet search, right? 
go and type in laser therapy near me or laser therapy in whatever town or whatever zip code you've got and see what shows up. In most cases, you're going to see chiropractors and physical therapists who can utilize laser to help patients out. Explore those websites. Make sure it looks like they know what they're doing. If they brag about their success with laser therapy, that's usually a good sign, right? If there's some testimonials, hey, that's even better. That gives you a better chance of landing with a laser therapy proficient provider. And then the next thing is when you go see that person, they need to do a thorough exam and history of what your problem is, and they also need to give you some idea of what that plan of care looks like. Sometimes you won't get that until the second day, but either way, they should be able to talk to you about, okay, this is what we think is going to work, and here's how we're going to measure it. There should be re-exams. It shouldn't be some ongoing just, well, we'll just try, you know, seeing you five times a week, and we'll do that for a while, and, you know, uh, just keep going until we feel like stopping. It should be more specific than that. So number one, you need to find a good laser therapy provider. Number two is you need to completely describe all your additional health conditions and concerns. And this sounds obvious to a lot of people, but it's frequent that we'll have patients come to us and talk to us about their foot pain and we'll start working on that and then find out a couple treatments or a couple weeks later that turns out they've got major problems with their lower back and their hips and that's what's actually throwing things off and if we had known that sooner if they had gotten to disclose that earlier to us then we could have been more successful more quickly so making sure you completely describe all those additional things that are going on with your health and and what could be impacting uh, this condition even if you think it might not be connected or related and number three is you have to follow your provider's instructions. That includes, like in some cases, not going to the gym or avoiding foods that are problematic for you. You have to follow those nutrition recommendations. If that means controlling sugars, if that means you have to stop drinking, then you've got to do it or your success rate is going to go down. What about supplements? You might have some specific supplements that are prescribed to you for the duration of this care or maybe even permanently to make sure that you are supporting healthy tissue regeneration and healing and pain control. And then the last one is the number of treatments. In most cases, if a, if a healthcare provider tells you it's going to be however many treatments, they have reasons behind that. You can go ahead and say, well, how do we measure success? How do we make sure that I'm actually getting better and going to stay better? Uh, what are the benchmarks there? You know, are we are we doing re-exams to make sure that I'm better? Are we retesting anything? Are we are we redoing any imaging like X-rays? You know, once once the benchmarks for success there, uh, they should have good answers for that, as well as somewhat of a prediction for how much better they think you're going to be. So number one, make sure your laser therapy provider is an expert. Number two, make sure you give them a good full history of your health, not just that one condition you would like to have treatment for. And number three, follow the instructions. Follow the care plan they give you. If you can do those three things, then you will be addressing everything that you can do on your end as a patient to have the best chance of success here. Thank you for joining us this week. I hope this was helpful to you. And if you have questions, please get a hold of us. Info at lasertherapyinstitute.org is the email address, or just go to the website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. There's lots of different ways that you can get a hold of us there. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Subscribe to this weekly podcast for more great information. 
find a certified laser therapy clinic near you at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you're a healthcare provider, check out our practitioner-focused Laser Therapy Institute podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.